and welcome to Marketing Times of Recovery, the built environment marketing podcast. And I'm your host, Ayo Abbas from Abbas Marketing. This is the second episode of my Marketing Models mini-series, aka there are many other ways that you can get your marketing done. This episode looks at consultants and independents. It's a model I know well as I'm one of them. And my guests today are the lovely Julia Nichols and Dominic Standall. As well as looking at the consultancy model and how that works, some of our key takeaways from our conversation include how clients really need to talk to their consultants to find out more about their areas of expertise and also how they work and whether or not how they work actually works for you. And also you need to consider, is it strategy you need? Is it strategy and implementation? Or is it just a case of tactics? You just want someone to implement all together. Working with a consultant can really bring new perspectives to your practice. Let's head over and check out the episode. Enjoy. Hi, Dom, and hi, Julia. And um, thanks so much for coming on this show. So, firstly, Julia, can you introduce yourself? Who you are and where you come from? I'm Julia Nichols. I uh, have a consultancy called the imaginatively named Julia Nichols Communications. Um, I'm a strategic consultant, so I work with architects to understand their business goals their purpose and their culture before creating a set of recommendations uh, based on how they can best reach their audiences and stand out from the crowd. So Dom, can you introduce yourself, please? Sure. Um, I'm Dominique Steindl. Uh, I'm a communications consultant uh, freelancer and have been for about a year. I don't have a name um, and I don't have a website and I don't have an up-to-date LinkedIn um, profile. So this is this is uh, new new for me and this is me really having to practice what I preach. So uh, you're going to get me um, you're going to get me all sorted, Ayo. <laughs> I'm sure you will have a LinkedIn profile done when this goes out, won't you, Dom? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so firstly, I guess I want to talk about this whole series is about showing different ways that practices and firms can actually get their marketing done. So I really, really wanted to kind of bring out some of the stories of some of the different ways that I know that people work with firms. So how do you work with a practice, Julia? What's your kind of, how does it work for you normally? Well, I guess it's a it's a very collaborative process. I work closely with architects. Um, every practice is coming with its own challenges and opportunities. Uh, so there's always a bespoke response. Um, I work with practices for between five and 10 weeks, um, initially running a workshop with practice directors or perhaps anyone else supporting on new business comms and marketing. Yeah. And really try to get under the skin of their approach and what they're aiming for as a business. Um, it's something that often people haven't considered for a while. They maybe when they started up, but I think it's good to do it every three to four years to really recalibrate what you're aiming for, um, you know, to, and, and work out why perhaps there have been shifts in the market or you've evolved some specialisms or some experience that you need to then consider um, so we do a starter workshop where we really explore the business vision and the culture and the, the values of the practice. Uh, we might look at uh, people within the practice, the figureheads, perhaps there's an issue of succession or creating profiles for new management staff who've been promoted. We look at their clients, uh, collaborators, competitors, peers, and, and all this kind of information helps me to look at where they want to be and what kind of communication style is going to resonate with them and their audiences yeah. um, and understand what their overarching purpose is. 
And then I go away and research all of that and come back with a summary workshop to report my findings. Wow. It's very comprehensive. No, it's a lovely model. How long did it take you to build that model, Julia? Or how did it develop? Or is it something you had in your toolkit? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I mean, I was um, director of PR at Square and Partners yeah. for over 20 years. And so I guess I had an understanding of, of what you would need to think about to create a strategy. But um, this, uh, working as a consultant, I've only been doing a year. So I evolved a process which I've been sort of, um, you know, tinkering with over, over the last year, yep. probably more adding bits on and working out what, you know, what works for different practices. Um, you know, but essentially I've, I've worked out that what they need from me is a real kind of strategic framework of, how they can stand out, how to reach their audiences best, what tools they need to use because they don't necessarily need to use all of them, yeah. um, and how to make the best use of often limited resources, um, you know, so that their time is being used most efficiently and most effectively and, and with the most impact. Fantastic. Thank you. So, Dom, how do you kind of tend to work with your clients? How do things work on your side? Well, this is really interesting because um, for the last 12 months, I've just blithely gone along assuming that everyone else is doing the same thing as me. <laughs> and of course, this is exactly why we need these kinds of podcasts because no one's doing the same thing. No, we're not. Yeah. Um, exactly. So I actually work a little differently and I suppose that probably it's a bit of a hangover from my experience in agency life that I work on retainers. So basically, um, I've had clients ongoing for the last sort of year or so. And so I continue with them. It's more of a kind of growth strategy. So I'm implementing as well as delivering strategy and, you know, working with them quite closely. I might be recruiting, I might be structuring internally so that systems are set up so that they can actually produce communications, produce content, um, start to build the profiles, get an understanding of who they should be putting forward, etc. And I sort of treat that as a, you know, that's just sort of a monthly retainer and, and it, we do it on an estimate per month. And if it, if it works out that it's happening that long, then that's great. And we make the most efficient and effective use of that time. Yeah. Um, so completely different system to Julia and actually much more sort of, you know, um, I guess ad hoc in a way that I respond very much to industry shifts you know, almost in a, at an hourly basis. And I go back to them and I sort of suggest, do you want to, you know, respond to this in the media or what are we doing about that? Yeah. And is that something that we can take forward? Um, you know, we've got a strategy at the start of the year, but of course a million things happen between sort of January and December. So um, we work on a really kind of almost hourly, half, half daily basis yeah. as well. I'm in touch with them sort of quite, uh, quite often throughout throughout the year and it's it's very much like I'm an ingrained part of their core team um so that's how I I operate predominantly he'd like to say it was planned that you both work in completely different ways but it wasn't <laughs> I just thought what a what a fi- what a piece of genius <laughs> well done I obviously <laughs> planned by me I knew this no I didn't um but in terms of I guess working with a consultant or an independent stroke freelancer which are all kind of interrelated terms what do you see as the benefits of that Dom? Um, The benefits are that actually I think I work a lot more you sort of get to sit between someone who's embedded internally and someone who's in an agency life so that's how I see it because of course I've done those two other roles so I see it as the sort of the happy medium in between you know someone who's internal 
um, so a communications manager, um, is, you know, attending loads of internal meetings. They're sometimes bogged down in the, you know, the daily grind and also the, you know, the inevitable politics, et cetera. And then someone whose agency is sort of quite removed from all of that and only just sort of dipping in to the bits that matter that they can externalise really quickly. And what I'm noticing with my role and how it's worked over the last year or so is that I'm going in, you know, I'm going in maybe once a week even um, or with some I'm not but, you know, some I am. And so I get a sense of how they're operating internally but also I, I maintain a sort of one step removed just so that I have my finger on the pulse in the outside world and and make sure that I'm connecting the dots externally so that I can bring those opportunities back in. So I sort of see it as a really happy medium. And how do you see that, Julia? How do you see the benefits for working kind of with you as a consultant in a kind of project immersive type way, I guess? So I guess um, for me, having a really considered strategy, having been through that in-depth process is going to save you time, energy and money because you know who you're talking to, what you want to say and why. And I think once you've got that strategy, you can then use that as a briefing for either current or incoming staff who don't necessarily have experience in communications. So often in small practices, it's, you know, someone will hire a studio manager or someone in leadership will be told you're looking after comms. They don't necessarily have that background. And I think to have a kind of working document that they can regularly refer back to and, you know, use to kind of measure success when you're struggling to remember why am I doing this again like what's what's the purpose and the rationale Um, yeah yeah and like you're not just filling up an Instagram feed you're actually doing it purposefully um you know with measurable results and I think that perhaps what my process does is it's a short-term investment for a long-term gain you know the strategy should be good for a few years um and I think you know as as Dom knows with in in agency life that kind of uh, sort of so let's say three and a half to five grand is probably a, a you know an estimate of what you would spend over the time within with my process. That could be gobbled up with an agency within two or three months, but yeah. without that kind of benefit of a really thoroughly researched strategy that's particular to your business. So I th- I think you know that that's the overall kind of benefit is that really deep understanding of your practice. Um, I think as as Dom works, you know, uh, perhaps a bit more nimbly in terms of, you know, week by week, things are changing. Yeah. And I think that is really useful. I do tend to keep in contact with all of my strategy clients. So sometimes we'll have just regular check-in meetings, perhaps quarterly to review progress, look at upcoming projects or opportunities. Sometimes I'll help them to upskill in-house staff yeah. or support them to grow in-house teams. So there's, there is a continuing relationship, but the bulk of the work happens within a couple of months. Fantastic. And are there any kind of drawbacks of working with consultants and independents such as ourselves? <laughs> We do no, get- we're perfect. <laughs> Dude, I know I'm not. You know this. <laughs> I think with, with any model, there is no one-stop communications solution. So yeah. you know, my strategy is not uh, something that you can just hand over to me and I'm going to do it all for you. But to be honest, neither is somebody in-house, neither is an agency. Yeah. You know, the content always has to come from the people in the organisation doing the work, you know, the people on the ground being creative and innovative. And, um, you know, what I think they do get from this process is a manageable plan that takes into account resources and time. But 
the best communications will always be enabled and supported from the top because it, the content needs to feel part of the business and culture. Yeah. And then when you have a meeting with somebody from your studio, you want it to feel like the voice that they've engaged with on Instagram and LinkedIn and, yeah. you know, in media articles. So it, it has to come from you still. So it's not that kind of one-stop approach where you, you know, you work with either of us and we just do everything for do you. Do you find you that know. people come and ask you for that? Have you, have, have you had people come and ask you, kind of go, can you just give me one of those or not? Julia. I think people do, are looking for an easy fix. They're, they're looking for somebody to take the problem away from them. Yeah. And it's really not as simple as that. I mean, actually, I met someone recently at, at an event and she said that <laughs> she lets a, a relatively new part two um, student take full control of their social media without any guidelines at all on content <laughs> or purpose. And I was really <laughs> troubled by that. <laughs> <laughs> and they were talking about emojis and I was just like oh my gosh that yeah that, that worries me <laughs> <laughs> and where are they going oh my gosh <laughs> so, so Tom are there any drawbacks that you can see apart from giving a part two to uh take control of your whole social media? <laughs> well, first of all my first piece of advice would be stop <laughs> Get a strategy together and brief them. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I guess Julia's covered it beautifully in in, um, in what she said. And I think so that you could be looking at it from either angle. You could be saying, are there any drawbacks for the client? Well, Juliet's, Julia's covered that, you know, you don't get everything you need from, you know, whichever model. You kind of need to accept that each model has its, you know, advantages and, and drawbacks. Um, I would say from a freelance perspective, there's, uh, there's some challenges with that having come from internal and having come from agency is that suddenly you're, you're very alone, you know? And so there's that element of just going, okay, well, I need to be really proactive about being in touch with people about, um, staying, you know, alert, having my finger on the pulse and, and all of those channels that were such a given in previous sort of teams and, um, you know, agency life or, you know, all those water cooler conversations or whatever's happening, even just meetings, you know, you're just absorbing so much information and you don't have that opportunity as a as a sort of singular consultant. So you've just got to be really um, alert and aware that, you know, you kind of have to be on that as well as, talking to your clients and doing deep thinking and then thinking strategically and high level. So you are operating at sort of many different levels and as you're spreading yourself as thin as possible yeah. in as, as many places as possible as well. So that's, that's a challenge from, from a singular perspective, but um, for clients, I think, I think we're a brilliant, happy medium. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to keep plugging that. It's very good. Time. You're very positive. Um, <laughs> So in terms of sex sto- success stories, I'll say sex stories, that's wrong. Success- <laughs> Go on then. I say that's wrong. I'm going to edit that out. Um, <laughs> the podcast was going to take a turn there. Yeah, like, I didn't make any notes on that. <laughs> like, I've missed this question. Well. Um, in terms of sex stories, God, I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you just want to know about our sex stories. We've got it. We've got it. Success. The word success. Right. Okay. I can do this. We'll let you record again. <laughs> okay. 
in terms of success stories, where have you, where do you feel that how your work has worked really well? Have you got some examples, Dom? Um, so I guess without giving too much away, it's been really nice when uh, the sort of, there's a bit of a, and I'm going to go into like jargony language here, but there's a bit of a cross-pollination. And, and this happens in, in agency as well, where basically you learn about something through one avenue and you can basically hit hit that across all your clients and suddenly, you know, all the others who didn't know about it are really delighted. And Fantastic. then you can do the same for the, you know, for the people who, um, who gave you that initial opportunity. So there's a lot of that. That's really exciting for me is when you can kind of draw loads of industry information from one avenue and just spread it across um, other other clients' channels and, and all of that. So I'm going cross-pollination, cross that's the word. It kind of keeps coming to my head, but yeah, that kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, and just being able to share intel and recommend it. You know, when you've got people, I think, and I think this is really important as well, is operating in a certain level of clientele. So so making sure that, you know, your clients are kind of the kinds of people you want to be promoting. So making sure that the information that's relevant for one is likely to be relevant for others mm. because they care about certain values or certain um delivery standards or, or whatever it is that, that you're after. So that that's when it gets really exciting for me because that means you, you're building a little ecosystem. Um, and uh, yeah, that's really exciting. Fantastic. And Julia, have you got a success story? To- <laughs> Please don't cut this out. <laughs> I can assure you they're not that interesting. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I concrete, I completely agree with Dom in that uh, working with lots of different clients gives you um, really useful content for everybody. And actually, you know, from working in one practice for over twenty years to then working with sort of ten in one year, I've you know I've learned so much. I've had so much more to kind of impart. Um, because of all of those different experiences and the way different practices work. I think, I mean, a couple of examples, again, keeping kind of client confidentiality in mind. um, But one studio I worked with was being sort of stretched too thin, really. They were trying to do everything. Um, They needed to really recalibrate and ensure that they were focusing their limited time and effort on the audiences that were most important to them and, you know, where they wanted to grow their business. So we kind of worked together. We established a voice for them that had a really distinct character. We created a timeline for communication so it didn't feel overwhelming to them. Um, and we kind of agreed some core messages that would be a thread in their work yeah. and would connect them with the type of clients they wanted to work with. And, you know, seeing them since and, you know, we have check-ins, they've said it's really transformed not just their communications but the way they run their business because they have a much clearer mm-hmm. focus of where to invest their energy and also importantly when to say no to things, so you know, important. if they're not yeah. on their path, then just don't waste your time there. Yeah. So that, that's that been really nice feedback. And another one was was quite an established practice that kind of had a mismatch in their internal and external perceptions. They were, you know, really lovely people and they were quite modest about their skills and experience yeah. and about actually a really enviable, enviable position they created in the industry. Um, and some of the things that were really important in-house 
that were key drivers in their work and really, you know, had built a really strong staff loyalty and were also valued by clients weren't visible outside the organisation. So we worked hard to kind of make that part of their narrative and, you know, share more of their culture through engaging content and also to feel confident in doing your own communications. I mean, I was speaking recently to Celeste Bolt, another uh, communications consultant, and we were saying actually doing your own communications is really hard especially as like one person because you're, you're literally just sound like you're blowing your own trumpet yeah. but there's, there's ways of doing it which you know are useful to people and help people with their own problems so it's yeah it's hard to, to take that advice on board yourself but we have to do it <laughs> and, and it, there are ways okay so Julia so how do you get the most out of working with a consultant what, what's the best things what would you say to someone thinking about embarking on this um I think being invested in the process. So, you know, we understand that you're short of time. Um, but if you don't give the workshops or the process your full time and attention, you're not going to get the most out of it. Um, you know, the workshops I run are probably a few hours each. And sometimes when I say, oh, you know, can we strike out half a day or two thirds of a day? You know, I could see the directors like bulking, but they're really essential in understanding your company and your goals to outline a strategy that has the right kind of impact. And secondly, I would say um, a client perception audit um, is part of my process for any practice that's over sort of three years, uh, two or three years. And that's interviewing uh, clients, also maybe collaborators, sometimes the media about identifying what you're recognized for, the value that you bring, uh, where you are or aren't keeping up with the competition. It's not, you're, I'm not just asking clients to say nice things about you, although that's always good. Um, <laughs> it's also really useful information on, uh, you know, how you're perceived and and whether your current comms are hitting the mark or not. Um, and you can also really pick their brains about what their challenges are what their future pipeline of work looks like you can pick up some quotes that you can use for future content um so I think yeah just just being really invested in the process and and sort of you know going for the client perception audit because that it's sometimes what you think you're known for is not actually what other people think you've got are people hesitant when you suggest that option Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I think and and often they will put forward a client who they just have a really good long running relationship with. And I might push them a bit harder than say, well, give me one of those, you know, but I also want one who's maybe never given you a job, but has had several meetings with you or, you know, uh, a a collaborator that, you know, you've worked with once on quite a tricky project that, you know, other people will give lots of different bits of information. And it's always really valuable. It's, It's the unexpected bits that are the most valuable definitely that and in terms of how you worked on in terms of how would people get the most out of working with the way that you work well I just want to say thank you to Julia for saying that because there is no point in having comms if you're not going to feed into it and the whole point of us and what we do is to enhance your business decisions there's no point if you there's just you've got to have a business plan, you've got to have an audience in mind, you've got to have sectors you want to work with or a sort of calibre of of how you want to work or where you want to work. Otherwise, we're just guessing. With some of the clients I work with, um, I do just guess based on, they're like, listen, just do it and we'll come to you with a business plan. (laughs) And I'm like, great, okay, you know, because I can do that and that's fine, you know, sort of self-autonomous and, you know, the, the practice and studio itself is, just rolling along. So it's great. But um, 
I was I was going to say for me, it's uh, work with someone you can build a relationship with because there's so much efficiency with that. You know, instead of writing um, sort of, uh, I was going to say ask covering, but I'll say accountability covering emails. Um, you know, you can pick up the phone and have a really great friendly chat on on a Monday morning and just bash out a few things that need clearing. And then you've got the week and you can just absolutely, you know, um, hit all these things you want to get done for them. It's Mm. just, I feel like I've got a really great working relationship with my clients and it, brings me a lot of joy it gives me a sense of purpose and a great reason to get up in the morning because I actively want to do good things for them um and it and it it just gives levity to the whole um to the whole experience and it makes it fun and I mean I said to uh my parents recently when I saw them over Christmas you know (laughs) I'm just going to keep doing it till it's fun until it's not fun anymore and and um and so that's my mantra. That's you know, and I think I might take that out into life. I sort of think you know it could could spread, um, but yeah, just just make sure that you've got that connection because it just, especially if it's longer term, um, yeah. it's just so critical. And you know, you want to enjoy these practices and these studio directors and, and managers want to enjoy their day as well, um, and they don't want to be telling you off or you know doing any of that sort of. Um, nastier side of, of stuff and you need to get to resolutions together and you're not always going to agree and that's actually even more fun because then you have to work harder <laughs> to get you know to get rationale and reasoning and then stick with your convictions or go okay fine and leave it and then move on and then reintroduce yeah. the idea a year later when they're ready so you know it's just <laughs> and they will say it's their idea dom you forgot that <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly and then uh yeah and then they'll probably say yeah what a great idea that that was my idea wasn't it and you go yeah absolutely it wasn't <laughs> all right i've got a question so are businesses always ready for marketing this is a, this is a question i actually do have in my head quite often because sometimes i'm like when you just said about the thing about having your business strategy in place, your goals, your growth, you know, a lot of people don't have that. So our business is always ready for marketing. In theory, every business could do with marketing, but not every business will effectively use marketing. Okay. Have you got an opinion on that one, Julia? I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm always surprised at how a lot of organisations have not really thought hard about the end goal. Um, they're, they're kind of looking two feet ahead, not, you know, a mile ahead. Yeah. Um, and I think having that goal, so maybe it's, you know, to increase new business inquiries because it's harder to convert them these days, so you need more of them. Perhaps it's to shift industry perceptions of your studio or gain recognition for a particular aspect of your work. I think that, uh, you know, those kind of goals are going to give you and your communications however you're, you're engaged with communications, a purpose. And, you know, like Dom said, it's kind of, it's fun to see how you're making steps towards those goals. Yeah. Um, and I think that, yeah, it, obviously everybody needs to market. I mean, for me, you know, if you're, if you're not marketing or communicating with a strategy, then you almost sometimes it's better not to do it at all because you're, you're, you're literally spending time doing something mm. with purpose, purposelessly, if that's a word. Yeah. <laughs> it is now. That's fine. We do that. That's our job. Uh, hey, okay. can, I, can I ask that's a question? Right. How do we view marketing? Because I, I say in communications and I see marketing as a component of that. I see so many things 
um, I see communications as the umbrella term and then there's like PR, social media marketing, um, internal comms and brand management under that. But do you guys see it the same way? Mine's different. Okay. I see it, I guess because I'm a marketeer, I always cast myself as a marketeer rather than a comms person. Or if, yeah. I, if anything, I say I'm a marketing communications person. But for me, I guess it's anything to do with clients and I class that as marketing. Okay. And that's kind of, like, it's quite a large kind of brush, but that's kind of how I see it. And then kind of pulling comms and lots of other stuff underneath it. But that's the other thing. There's a lot of definitions, isn't there? I think there you, are. Julia? I mean, I, th- I think um, I probably more align with what Dominique just said in terms of, I think comms is the umbrella term. Marketing mm. is something specifically to get new business in. It's like, you know, the, the outcome is to get a project from it. Um, or, or, you know, to start engaging with a client. Um, but yes, I think I think as well, like marketing, particularly in architecture, seems to be quite a dirty word. Like, you know, people don't want to kind of get their hands dirty and do it. And so I almost use communications. Like, I think communications is intrinsically tied to marketing. The two things should not be separate. Um, but, but you stay away from the word. I, I, yeah, I, I think that communications is more welcomed because it's broader um and yeah but they're they're all essentially for me uh to be aimed at your target audiences which is mostly your clients so it's not other architects which is obviously the the uh the classic (laughs) architect speaking to architects but uh yeah it's all got to be client facing and speaking to them does that mean i need to change the name of this podcast (laughs) (laughs) that is not what i was going for but i was sitting i was sitting in my uh, my laptop you know like 20 minutes before logging on here and i thought what's the difference between pr and marketing i I better google that before i jump onto this podcast it's so interesting isn't it but everyone takes a different take and i think the other thing is is that we're all we've all got different flavors that we bring to the table anyway like even just talking how you about what you work but also our skill sets are so different yeah and i think in some ways i think you know when we were talking about that question about how to choose who you're working with it's actually understanding what you need that's got to come into it because what we all offer is slightly different you know I like writing I like there's different things that we all bring to the table you know I I, you know I'm into podcasting and all crazy stuff so we all you know yeah and I also think there is that flavor as well as actually what do you need from a what do you need from a consultant is has to be one of your questions and what it is you need to kind of move your business forward as well exactly I was going to, could I say something? There was something I really wanted to get across and that's a lot of um, clients who talk to me about potentially working together don't actually recognise what they need. So I can, I could probably do a half an hour recce and go, I think there's some serious gaps here, here and here. And they're saying, oh, we need more social media. And I'm going, no, (laughs) you need (laughs) business development. You know, so it's... my one takeaway, if if there's anyone sort of in a practice listening to this, um, would be to ask the uh, consultant what you think, what they think you need, because actually they're probably going to have a much better understanding of how to address your needs as a business um, than you may think. You know, you might think you need social media. It's possibly the last thing you need. What you probably need is internal structures that then lead to better business development that then you can crow about on social media. You know, it's just 
there yeah. are different ways of approaching these things and um, I'd recommend always listening to your, <laughs> to your consultant. <laughs> Definitely. And I think going to the consultant with the end goal, not with what you think you need to get there, because it's our job yeah. to work out how you can get to the end goal. You know, exactly. And I think that filling up your social media, if it's not the social media that your audiences are engaged with, is just a waste of time. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that that's where you've just got to be focused on the end goal and, and let us, um, you know, at least listen to to our recommendations even if you don't decide to take them on <laughs> okay so I guess on to the final question for this it's kind of what things should your practices consider when looking to kind of hire a consultant with are there three things that people should do Julia do you want to kick off well I think I'd agree with Dom that you need to speak to a few people to find someone that you feel comfortable working closely with it's a yeah. You know, it's a fairly in-depth process. There's potentially some kind of uncomfortable truths along the way. Um, <laughs> so I think, you know, you've got to be able to work work with somebody that you have a, a kind of rapport with. Um, again, I would say think hard about the end goal. So that probably is going to take you some time, um, you know, outside of the sessions to really think with your fellow directors or partners um, about what you're actually aiming for as a business. And then I think maybe just you know, accept that you're going to have to be honest, you're, you know, this, this process requires you to kind of reveal your warts and all to make the best recommendations. So yeah, you need to slightly be open to bearing your studio um, so that you get the most <laughs> out of the process. Opening your heavily architectural design door, really. <laughs> um, so Dom, what, what kind of um, things should people be looking at when working with a consultant to finish off? I I think we've already, I think we've already touched. I think it's, you're buying a personality and you're buying someone's experience. So, so think about how you want to work with that person as well. You know, as Julia mentioned before, if you haven't got time to invest, get someone who's super um, autonomous and can just run away with really good ideas, you know, do a light touch check, check in and keep going. If you're a, control freak then work with someone who will sit down with you and go through every detail you know meticulously pick something that works for your business your business is likely a reflection of your personality anyway so get someone who who suits that and that is all in the interview process and that's the whole purpose of those things someone might have a really great idea but if you don't like them you're not going to want to work with them for the next six weeks or year or, or whatever it is so just kind of Use your gut. <laughs> Use your gut. I'm going to finish yeah. on that. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on to the show, Julia and oh, Dom. Thank, thank you, you very, very much. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed it. Was so it. fun. My first podcast. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the latest episode of Marketing in Times of Recovery. And I'm your host, Iowa Bass. If you want to find out more about the bi-weekly show, do check out the show notes, which will give you more information about who the guests are and all the things we've covered. Uh, and if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on an episode. Until next time. Bye. Bye.